Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Sarah Fenske. St. Louis has long been credited as the best baseball town in America, and that distinction is about far more than the St. Louis Cardinals or even the St. Louis Cardinals and the St. Louis Browns. St. Louisans have been playing baseball since 1860 in amateur leagues and semi-pro ones, in the Negro Leagues, and also for hundreds of young people who grew up here, yes, in the major leagues. And that rich history is the subject of Ed Wheatley's new book. It's called Baseball in St. Louis, From Little League to major leagues, and Ed joins us today to discuss it. Ed Wheatley, welcome to the show. Glad to be back. Look forward to it. So, Ed, we talk a lot about the high school question here in St. Louis, but you say in your book that where did you play baseball can be just as revealing. How so? Well, it tells you about you know what teams you were on, how good you were, t- your teams were. You know, it's, it just kind of it's like gauging the enemy, if you will. It's like, you know, you played baseball, how good are you? What club were you with? You know, who'd you play with? Uh, It's all those same kind of identifying questions people entertain when they ask, where'd you go to high school? You know, it's it's just a parallel. So for you and your fellow baseball lovers, you're sizing each other up in that exact same way. Absolutely. You know, it tells a lot about you. So speaking of high schools, you identify one locally as producing more future major leaguers than anywhere else for a very long period of time. What was the deal at Beaumont High School? Well, yeah, it was Beaumont High School. It was the late 40s and early 50s. There were more men in the major leagues from Beaumont High School. It, you know, they had this outstanding coach, Ray Elliott, and it was known as the baseball factory really across uh, the country because there were so many great ball players, and not only so many that made it to the majors in those days there was also the reserve clause and there were many many men that were stuck uh in the minor leagues because they couldn't you know come up to the major leagues nor could they leave another team at one point in like eight years 54 men signed professional contracts from ray elliott's baseball uh team so hmm. it, but the the irony of it too is the story about beaumont high school was where it, it, it sits today on band of veteran natural bridge just a few blocks up from Sportsman's Park, right across the street from Fairgrounds Park. But on the site of Beaumont High School was the old Cardinals uh, stadium called Robeson Field, and the Cardinals played in there from 1893 through 1920 when the stadium uh, became condemned because of fires, you know, the old days men smoking cigars. Hmm. And the Cardinals moved and became tenants of the Browns down in Sportsman's Park a few blocks away. So the mystery, maybe the, uh, you know, that in the ashes of the fires in the, in the infield there at Beaumont High School, there was something special that led to all this great baseball. But a lot of it is really a credit to Ray Elliott. Yeah, so it's like, should we credit the soil or should we credit Ray Elliott? Maybe a little of both. I love how uh, mystical yeah. baseball fans can get <laughs> when they talk about yeah, this stuff. Yeah, that's true. It um, is true. And among their famous alumni, I understand the great Earl Weaver. Um, he never made it to the major leagues as a player, but he was obviously a huge deal as a manager. He's he's among the alumni. Who else there would you point to as a name that, that modern uh, baseball lovers might remember? Well, well, Dick Dick Williams, another manager. Uh, he was a World Series manager. He's a Hall of Famer. Uh, he was he played in the majors as well as as managed the uh, most specifically the Red Sox and the Oakland Athletics. Uh, Roy Severs uh, was was a great ball player. He was the the first American League Rookie of the Year. The first time they had a, a Rookie of the Year in the American League in 1949. He was there. We had guys like Lee Thomas, Lloyd Merritt, uh, uh, Buddy Blackner. 
was another one who was a, a player with the Cardinals and a longtime announcer of the Cardinals. And, you know, Bobby Hoffman, Bobby Miller, Pete Reeser, you know, the, the, the list is endless of these great players. Hmm. So Beaumont High School, um, it officially shut down in 2014. Are St. Louis Correct. area high schools still a source of major league talent today? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, there, throughout the, this history, there were men, you know, uh, we just did an article and there was in the Post-Dispatch you saw about Frank Bauman and with, uh, did with Ben Hockman about his teams in Central High School when they won three straight. Today, we come out to Lafayette. High School is one of the, the big predominant ones, and people, you know, resonate with David Freeze and Scarborough Green, Ryan Howard, or Luke Voigt, who was with the Cardinals and now we're with the Yankees. I mean, mm-hmm. it's always been this history. You, know, you start with the city, you had suburban migration in the in the 60s, it was Rittner High School. Uh, had Jerry Royce and Ron Hunt and University City. Had Ken Holtzman, Art Shamsky. And then don't forget over in Illinois, you know, we go with Dal Maxwell from Granite City, Whitey Herzog from New Athens, and many, many more. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is quite a remarkable history. And, Ed, i got to say, you have your fingertips on all these details. It's Every time I talk to you, I'm just blown away. Um, if you're listening to our conversation and you're also blown away by Ed's knowledge or just want to know more, um, we want to encourage you to join us. Ed is happy to take your questions. And we also want to know what is your fondest memory of baseball in St. Louis. You can give us a call at 31 314- Four three eight two eight two five five. That's three eight two talk. Or you can send us a tweet at STL on air, or email us at talk at stlpublicradio.org. Now, Ed, I actually put this question to our St. Louis on the Air Facebook group this morning. That's a group that, um, if anybody wants to join this group, um, it's a members only group, but you just have to ask, and we let you write in, and then you can uh, talk to us as we prepare for the day's show. We often pose questions to our listeners there, and Joshua wrote in reply to that question. He said, folks growing up here about my age and older were so lucky to see Willie McGee and Ozzie Smith do things only they could do. My dad took me to the game when Mark McGuire tied the single season home run record. It was a September game, almost my birthday against the Cubs. McGuire had a 1-1 count with two outs in the first inning, and he crushed a deep pitch past left field off Mike Morgan. He also says the entire 2011 postseason was magic. Chris Carpenter versus Roy Halladay, the National National League Division Series Game 5 is my favorite baseball game ever. Two of the greatest pitchers at that time played their absolute best, and of course, Game 6 that same year. Um, what would you point to as being your favorite baseball game of all time, Ed? Well, I mean, you know, just what Joshua talked about is, the, is what I get all the time from these, these people, this history of baseball games, watching, listening. Uh, you know, you you can go back to, you know, the early 1900s when they had the Browns and the, and the Cardinals. We had something very special here in St. Louis because, unlike other cities, we had two teams in the American League and national teams. So I hear stories of Babe Ruth, Lou Gehrig, Bob Feller. Probably, the you know, I was at pretty much all those same games Joshua was at. Hmm. You know, probably the most interesting game or most memorable game uh, in, in my life was in September 29, 1963, when Stan Musial retired, going to his last game. And oh, wow. All, the, all the, the emotion in the stadium and the farewell of this is the last game of one of the greatest men who ever played the game. Yeah, and, that, uh, that must have just been amazing. Uh, you must have had chills seeing him say goodbye. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I was uh, young at that time, but I, you know, started going to games in the late 50s and early 60s and you know there wasn't tv games on every night it was just often 
uh, one or two a week, a month, excuse me, mm-hmm. and just to see Stan, the man, and you know some of the other players from other teams, you know whether it's Roberto Clemente or Willie Mays. I mean, you grow up. These were your heroes. They were the ones you wanted. Those baseball cards in your baseball card collection, and you, you know, you would trade or buy lots of bubblegum cards so you could get these guys. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Joshua, who wrote on our Facebook page, he added uh, one more thought here. He says, "I know this sounds petty, considering all the ways the coronavirus pandemic has changed life, but baseball is what I've missed the most." Ed, what has that done to you? The fact that we're having this unprecedented year where we don't even have baseball going on. Well, I mean, it, 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 it's tough. You want to watch it. And, you know, as you and I have spoken, you know, I, I play in senior leagues across the country and play over 100 games last year. And I was down in Florida playing when the shutdown came. And, um, you know, I'm missing playing. I'm missing watching. And, you know, this is a two parts. And I can open the book. Everybody has seen the movie Bull Durham and Annie Savoy opens the book as she's walking to the stadium and she's narrating about how she's tried all the religions, but the Church of Baseball is the religion that fills her soul day in and day out. And that's really what St. Louis baseball is our religion, and opening day is our national holiday. And we basically have missed our national holiday by not having baseball. And, you know, for so many people, and you look at this time of the virus, mm-hmm. uh, and we talk about this in the book, these people are in their 80s and 90s, and I do a lot of talks at retirement homes just to kind of give back for the success I've had about baseball. And these people live through the poverty and constraints that we don't even realize today in this virus during the Great Depression, not knowing if they had money for food. Mm-hmm. And then that was followed by World War II and all the rationing shortages, men going off and getting killed in war. But baseball was the constant. That is the happiest point for so many people's lives uh, that they remember against the harsh times of what the conditions were they lived in. They remember baseball, and Franklin Roosevelt's the one who said, we're going to have night baseball so people have something to come home and relax after working long days in the factories trying to get through this. Mm-hmm. We don't have that right now. You know, We don't have that. And in, in those times, baseball was it. I mean, there wasn't the competition from hockey and basketball and football that we see today or TV and video games. Baseball was this whole thing, and you know, we're missing it. And uh, you know, we hope these guys can get this stuff all ironed out and then start playing the game again. Start playing ball again, yeah. Well, in the meantime, I do want to recommend Ed's book. It's it's a great trip down memory lane. If you're missing baseball, he's got it all here, all these different leagues that played in the area. The book is called Baseball in St. Louis, From Little Leagues to the Major Leagues, and the author is Ed Wheatley, who is here with us today. I want to go to the phone lines, um, and I do want to encourage you, if you have a question or just a great baseball memory you want to share with us, you can give us a call at 314 382-8255, 382-TALK. Um, Harry is calling from University City. Um, Harry, hi, you're on St. Louis on the air. Oh, hello. Uh, Ed, will, Ed will be able to comment on this. Um, Ed, one of my best memories of Cardinal baseball is the, the number of times that Stan the Man would end games, you know, uh, mm-hmm. hitting a home run over the right field pavilion with – Harry Carey screaming at the top of his lungs. There she goes. It might so, be. <laughs> why don't you talk a little bit about Harry Carey also, could you? Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, that is one of the – well, I'm going to add one point, too. You know about Stan Musial? You made the key point. He had to hit it over the pavilion in right field because there was a, an 11-foot wall and a 23-foot uh, screen across the pavilion, and that's why – 
Musial only wound up with 475 home runs because you had to hit it out onto Grand Avenue to get a home run. And that's why he would just constantly hit doubles into that screen because, hmm. you know, it didn't go into the seats like at other parts. So, but Harry Carey, Jack Buck, Dizzy Dean, Buddy Blattner, Franz Locke, St. Louis had this tremendous, tremendous uh, team of announcers that brought baseball to people. They taught kids, you know, and adults, this is the game. I mean, I remember Harry Carey, who, you know, I have met in, in uh, earlier times. I knew his, uh, his son and daughter-in-law and, you know, would talk about how Harry would tell you when he first got the job, he came and told uh, the radio station and the Cardinals, you're not painting this picture right. People at home, and you think about this today, as you watch it on TV or on radio, Harry's monologue, how he talked, it was, you should be sitting at home in a chair. You could close your eyes and see that what happened. You know, mm-hmm. this was a Harry character. The pitcher toes the rubber, looks in, gets his sign, checks off. Here's the windup, the stretch, the pitch. And then a stand usual is batting, it would usually be, there she goes, way back. <laughs> it might be, it could be, it is. That was Harry Carey. And you see, you paint that picture in your head. And whether you're an adult or as a child, you saw it. And as a child, then, you try to emulate that. I mean, you could be playing baseball in Corey League. You know, we can talk about that in a moment, too. The St. Louis great history of the granddaddy of all little leagues, the Corey League. You would emulate, okay, I'm the pitcher, I'm on the mound, you know check the signs. I mean, the picture was painted in your head. Yeah, yeah. Harry did an amazing job of that. And uh, Harry, calling about Harry Carey um, in University City, I want to thank you for that call. That's a great jog down that memory lane. I want to go to the phone lines. Um, Angela is calling from St. Louis. Um, Angela, hi, you're on St. Louis on the air. Hi, thanks. Um, I, I agree with Ed. St. Louis is a baseball town, and the St. Louis Cardinals have especially been generous to some St. Louis community organizations and those less fortunate. Um, but I just want to share from my own experience raising two boys as a single mom, very often unless somebody gave us tickets, mm. a baseball game was out of reach for our family. And I wish that I wish that baseball was more in reach of families who don't have the extra disposable income. Angela, I think you make a great point. I mean, baseball used to be so affordable. You could get a ticket for like $3, $4. These prices have gone through the roof. Um, Ed, any thoughts on that? Well, I mean, you know, it's it's interesting. You, you know, you talk about, I mean, yeah, I remember when tickets in the bleachers were 50 cents. Mm. You know, I still have all these ticket stubs in my collection. And, you know, it was more affordable, you know, and you got to put things into some perspective. I mean, they, they are, to think of a family of four going to a ball game between parking and the price of tickets and any concessions. And, uh, you know, it's interesting that, that, that we talk about $3 million today in draw is, you know, that's a thing of post started in the 1980s. You would go back into the 20s, 30s, and 40s, you know, a 400000 would be a good year because there was always, you know, people trying to afford, you know, and especially during the Depression, you know, can I afford uh, – to go to a game or not, or do I have food? Uh, mm-hmm. But, it, you know, there used to be, it seems, more community events and, you know, and children. I mean, I look around and, you know, and see baseball today, you know, for a lot of the millennials, it's a social event. They go to the game and, you know, they book 
built these beer gardens in there. Mm-hmm. And I'm one of the few nuts that you'll see in the stands keeping score. I always keep score when I'm at the ball game. It's just something I grew up doing. You know, I always joke with the Cardinals that scorecards used to be ten cents. Now they're like two dollars and fifty cents. I would give scorecards away. Many stadiums do when you come in. I know I was just up at Washington and the Nationals. You come in, you get a scorecard, you get engaged in the game. So I, we need to have the kids, as she mentioned, back involved in wanting and watching uh, and just dreaming of playing baseball. And mm-hmm. the best way to do it is to be there watching a game. Uh, I think we have time for just one more call. And Angela, thank you for that call. Butch is calling from Phoenix. Um, Butch, hi, you're on St. Louis on the air. Hi, how you guys doing? Yeah, thanks for Fine, joining us. Awesome. What's your baseball memory? Well, I my first Cardinals game, I'm not from St. Louis, but uh, my son's mom was from St. Louis, and we got pregnant, we moved back to St. Louis so she could be around family. And I went to my first Cardinals game in 98 with the home run chase, the year of the home run chase. And I got to see that game, the last game before the All-Star break, and Big Mac hit a home run and landed right down in front of us. And, uh, and you know, I was we were pregnant with what I knew was going to be my son, and during the game I was watching – uh, a father with his young son down in front of us, and they were having such fun, and I couldn't wait till me and my boy hmm. would be going to games. And, yeah, I was hooked ever since, and I've been a huge Cardinals fan. I still am. I'm living, living in Arizona now, but I listen to you guys all the time on uh, online. So, Well, th- thank you so much for that, Butch, and, and thanks for rooting for the Cardinals. That's great that uh, you've still kept that baseball loyalty. Um, Ed, we have time for just one more question. This one came in hey. from Shyla in Unincorporated West County, and she just wanted to know, where did you do all of your research? She's especially interested, because I know we don't have time for all of that in this, this final minute here, but where did you get the research on the semi-pro teams that you cover so well in this book? Well, a lot of it is I grew up with him. I say, say in the book, you know, my dad played professional baseball. I grew up in, in baseball, you know, as I still play. But a lot of the, the semi-pro ball, when you look, especially since she's out in West County, she may be talking about Manchester, Baldwin, where these great semi-pro leagues of the of the 50s and 60s that, you know, it was full of former pro ball players. A lot of it I get from experience, from scrapbooks from my dad and all his friends. They were all part of those great Beaumont teams, the great Stockholm American Legion teams. And, you know, I had access to not only the Browns archives, the Cardinals archives, the Amateur Baseball Hall of Fame archives, the Corey League archives, uh, the CYC archives, and many of the schools. So we, you know, we have touched pretty much every area. You know, for the African-American experience, the Matthews Dickies Boys Club uh, allowed me their archives. So, you know, this thing is... um, as Whitey Herzog called me up the uh, other night saying, I couldn't put your book down. I was so deep into it. You know, That's we even quite had a the, rave from a big name. Yes, it is. We had the New Athens, Illinois archives, and I slipped in a ball uh, from their trophy case when, when they played in uh, the 49th state championship against Granite City. And there's the ball signed Relly Herzog. His name is really Dorrell. <laughs> and uh, he hadn't gone to Whitey yet. And there's the picture from the team. So. We went everywhere, and I mean, I spent a lot of time just digging and digging because, I mean, I knew the story I wanted to tell. The book has got about 700 pages of these pictures, like, a, you know, an autograph ball of uh, these famous teams and players and their pictures. And, you know, that's 
kind of followed our Browns. For those who are familiar with the Browns book, they got picked as the best book published on baseball in 2017. This follows it exactly with the pictures and the vignettes. And and yes, the memorabilia in this book is just amazing. And so I really want to encourage uh, all the baseball fans who've, who've called in today. I know we didn't get to everybody, but if you're interested in knowing more, this book is from Reedy Press, Baseball in St. Louis. We have a link on our website. That's stlpublicradio.org for people who want more information. And Ed Wheatley, always such a pleasure to have you on. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, sir. I look forward to the next time. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com.